I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Craig Doyle and welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today we're in Austria for round 10 of the season from the Red Bull ring. Here is how the race was won. But it's Andrea Iannone, the maniac, the man that has been accused of having no respect for other riders. He's took a couple of riders out. He's had a few things to argue with. This man, Mick Doohan, five times a 500cc Grand Prix world champion and an absolute legend. But it's going to be Andrea Iannone that takes honours here in the Red Bull ring. A 1-2 for Ducati, third place for Jorge Lorenzo. Valentino Rossi will be off the podium, but it's Marc Marquez who loses only five points in his championship run here with a dislocated shoulder yesterday. Coming up, the views of Neil Hodgson, James Tosland and all the protagonists from race day. But first, what did Julian Ryder and Keith Hewan make of the racing? Great expectations when we came out to Austria. Stunning scenery, a lot of money being spent here, has been spent here. But then... Some of the riders are a little bit negative about this track, Jules, and it was freezing cold on the first day here. Tyres wouldn't work, and all of a sudden, uh, Red Bull Ring didn't seem quite so bright. No, it did not. Lorenzo and Pedrosa specifically having pretty awful Fridays and a general moan about the track being too simple, uh, too juicy, and Turn 8 especially being too dangerous. That was the fact, wasn't it? It was the danger side of things as, uh, as riders were trying to, to get over several problems and uh, no data no real map that they will have had for here apart from a bit of testing earlier on but there's nothing like proper free practice proper qualifying and in the end proper racing to actually sort it all out and we had two beautiful days on saturday and sunday so the tires that michelin had bought with their experience of high temperatures the test weren't an issue ducati came here with a huge amount of great expectation everyone was speculating they were going to run off into the distance because they'd set the what the top four times during the test here Honda hadn't tested here properly on a factory bike. They'd run the road bikes. Um, but then, of course, 55-degree track temperature as it was when they tested. Michelin had got new tyres that they brought along with them again here. Effectively lost a day on that, didn't we, on Friday with the cold temperatures? E exactly, Keith. It really didn't mean a lot. Yes, Ducati were quick, but Friday was almost irrelevant. Um, Saturday, though. I never thought that... I never thought in my heart that Ducati could be that far I know they've got more horsepower yep. I know they've got the more drive up the hill and all the rest of it yep. I just couldn't think to myself well, that they were going to be that much in front you were uh, consistent on this and you had arguments from me from Neil Hodgson but you turned out to be right that it was not a runaway they are the listening to Yanone and Dovizioso afterwards they were obviously they knew they'd got something 
extra and they were careful to manage their tires and, and that's borne out by the times exactly wasn't it, early and on not try to blast away and open up a five second lead in three laps yeah but they're way off of what they did in qualifying way to off. start with so they were quite yeah. happy to have the yamahas stuck up behind yeah. them and of course mark marquez with that brilliant piece of damage limitation after oh. that horrendous crash and a dislocated shoulder yeah but went back in when he was on the scooter coming back to the pits yeah he's an impressive kid and uh what, there was one run onto the grass in the race, one major loss of the front in turn 10 again, and he still got home in fifth place and only gave up, what, four or five points to Jorge Lorenzo? Indeed he did. The split strategy, I think, with Ducati was interesting as well. And as yeah. it turned out, it was a rider choice. It wasn't. And Dovi is kicking himself sideways. His 250th Grand Prix, he chose the harder option because he thought the harder option would be better at the end of the race. And it was interesting to hear in part Ferme Jorge Lorenzo say he thought the soft tyre that Iannone had on would go off. Yes. And he'd get closer to him at the end of the race. And was surprised when it didn't happen. And Iannone, I believe... If, we're, uh, if what we're hearing is correct, changed his mind on the grid and decided to stick the soft tyre in as late as that. Now, whether he was fencing, you know, whether... There was a certain smug grin about him in the press conference yesterday when he told us, on a used tyre, we are very quick. Well, both of them, I think Dovi had his moments of being a little smug as well, didn't yeah, he? Oh took yeah, his time in, in free practice, took his definitely. time in qualifying. I mean, they, they really, they thought they'd got the advantage. And in the end, they did. Yeah. Ducati had the advantage and, and held it to the end. And they used it cleverly and intelligently, I think. And you cannot imagine, can you, the pressure Ducati have been under to produce a win for, for years. And then they come here with the expectation from the test. I, wouldn't, I can imagine there was an element of terror in the corner of that pit, evident gnawing the, away at people. Evidently by the relief at the end of this in part Fermi. Tears yeah. everywhere. I know they're Italian, most of them. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're absolutely, you put your, your finger on it. The predominant emotion was relief in there. Must have been relief for Lorenzo as well on the podium. And, of course, damage limitation-wise to his championship, he clawed back some points. He did a few off for Marquez. Given he scored, what, seven points in the last three races... And not only did he take a few off Marquez, he beat his teammate Valentino Rossi. Double-edged as well. and In fact, triple-edged if you include the Valentino Rossi situation there because to see Ducati's winning, that's where he's going next year. Yes. Uh, and of course, as far as Marquez is concerned, you made the point in commentary, the big points are gone to the two Ducatis. They're not in championship contention. Mm. So Marquez was assisted... Very hap very helpfully there. Can we be disappointed with Valentino in the end? He split them on the on in qualifying, and he's was, after qualifying. I've never seen Valentino wheelie so much about qualifying. He was so happy to have that kind of. What pace. It was he? He was, he was uh, just over a tenth off pole, and you say splitting the factory Ducatis. But he had no answer to Lorenzo. He was he had, there all race long, but he yep. just did not have the extra pace. What looked to me to happen today was the old Jorge Lorenzo suddenly made a reappearance. Maverick Vinales, Suzuki were struggling with hot track yeah. temperatures and the tyres, but uh, in the end, the Suzuki again, still top six. And an easy top six. Mm. Uh, forget Alicia Spargo, he was riding hurt, so we can't bring him into the equation. But Vinales hung with those Ducatis and Yamahas till about when we expected, just over halfway, 17 laps in or so, 10 to go. And then it looked like he started having rear tyre trouble and couldn't keep up. 
disaster for a couple of our home riders as well, if we include Eugene Laverty as home rider, if you forgive me for doing that, I know he runs under the Irish flag, but at the end of the day, situation for Cal Crutchlow, jump start. Everybody uh, flicked their clutches and that just drew him into it, and so Cal, the penalty didn't fit the crime for me. Drawn into it by people around him, lots of people uh, jump starting and Cal was caught up in it. Real tough luck for Cal. But Eugene Laverty falling off the last lap, Ugh. he will be beside. As much as he was elated to get his best ever qualifying in 11th on the grid yesterday. And he was running really well, dicing with Petrucci on the satellite bike. He had just gone past him. Well, it took ages for Reading to get by. It did, and Bradley Smith. And Bradley Smith, yeah. I mean, Eugene was up to seventh, wasn't he, at one point in time. But to lose his 100% point scoring record in that way, you're right, that'll be a choker. But all in all, it's been a fantastic Austrian Grand Prix and Red Bull Ring have treated us well in spectacular scenery. I'm already looking forward to coming back next year. History created today. An ugly statistic for the Italian manufacturer has been swept away. Casey Stoner last did it in 2010. Andrea Iannone did it today. What a brilliant weekend. What a great return to Austria. Oh, we, we knew it was going to be great racing through all the three classes, but, you know, that, that one-two for Ducati. I think everybody's just so pleased for, for, for Ducati. They put so much money development from the 800s to the 990s again. You know, 2007, like you say, the last double for Ducati with Caparossi and Stoner. Um, so all that time you know 11 years is a long 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 time to wait for a double off your team and you know any Davizios are two riders that deserve it as well with all the hard work they've been putting in yeah so many old ugly statistics written off today we've so much to talk about but let's just reflect on what's happened over this wonderful round 10 of the 2016 MotoGP World Championship and all eyes and all the pressure was on those Ducati factory uh, bikes but they led the charge they battled between themselves and finished with a win for Andre Iannone but more importantly a win for Ducati Johan Zarco, well, he reigned at the Red Bull ring. Patience was the key as he waited for the opportunity to go at it. It came on lap nine, he took the lead and he did not look back. And a rookie rode his way to his first victory in Moto3, whilst Johan Mir took the top step. Brad Binder stretched his championship lead by 67 points with a second place. So, an awful lot of movement in the championship tables across the three classes. We'll bring you bang up to scratch with all of that. But let's reflect, first of all, on that MotoGP race. We knew it was all about heavy speed, okay? Big late braking, bravery, good tyre choice, and a bit of fuel economy too. There were so many factors to win the race today, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, and we saw Ducati playing it safe, actually, a little bit. They knew they had the speed, but they actually put one uh, guy on, on the medium tyre and one guy on the hard. Unfortunately, actually, the lo lowest risk of that, I think, was Dovi on the harder one, because they didn't know if the softer one was going to finish the race. But the softer tyre at the end of the race for Iannone was absolutely phenomenal, going into the mid-24s at the end of the race there, which, you know, you'd have thought the harder one would have been better at the end, but the softer one with the higher temperatures, I think, really helped the Michelin. So with the factory Ducatis dominating the timesheets for all the weekend, most of the week, and any, anyway, the objective for everyone else on the grid was to stay in touch with Iannone and Davizioso, and that's why it was such a chaotic start, right? It was. Um, I don't know if we're going to pull Paolo in right now, are we? Are we going to pull Paolo in right now? Oh, well, we, we might have a look at the start, start first. We'll have to take his breath. Hey, how are you? Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. We're going to have a look at the start in just a moment. But yes, first sure. of all, congratulations. How are you feeling after that? A well, wonderful moment. Relieved and happy. We have been waiting very long for this to happen. We were close a few times, but, you know, things went wrong. And now we knew it. we had the pace to make it happen, but the race is always complicated. And uh, the Yamahas were very strong, so 
our rider did a great race and uh, we are very, very happy. First and second here, just a dream. Talk to us what it's like as a key member of Ducati, all the history you have as a manufacturer, as a race team, and the pressure that came with today, needing to change that statistic. What was it like? Yeah, you know, when your last uh, win in MotoGP is, uh, dates back to 2010 with Casey, and then uh, the company and the team went through difficult times. We had to rebuild everything in 2013. Then Gigi joined at the end of 2013. But it's a long way because obviously our competitors didn't uh, wait for us. They went ahead and it was a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of uh, support from the company and from our partners. And finally this year, we knew we had the bike to make it happen. We were very close in a few occasions, but you know, finally we got it here today. Now, I'm not even going to suggest there are any kind of team orders out there today, but did you have a conversation before the race saying, guys, if you're one and two, don't mess it up. We don't want, to, we don't want a replay yeah. of Argentina here. You know, we, we, yes, we told both riders, it is very important for Ducati. It is very important for you. So, you know, if you have a chance to win, go and win, but just try to do clear pass if you can without trying anything extreme. And uh, I think it's what they did, and we are very pleased. Can now, I, just, can I know I... what professional sportsmen are like, sorry, JT, and they love holding on to a record or a statistic. Casey Stoner's statistic of being the last Ducati rider to win a MotoGP is now gone, and we get his reaction. So, Casey, come in here to us. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Uh, did you enjoy that? Um, yes and no. <laughs> you know, being on the inside, not being able to really uh, understand what's going on in the race uh, is, a, is a little different perspective, I suppose. But, um, you know, as being so much a part of this team and, and over these last months getting closer and closer with them and, and seeing how hard everybody's working, uh, it's, it's really, you know, when they, they finally crossed the line, it was a, a massive relief, but, you know, huge enjoyment. I guess one of the, the, the things you'll all be hoping for is, you know, when you win a race, you, you get a bit of momentum. You learn how to win. We see that with Rossi and Lorenzo, of course, and Marquez. You know what it's like to win. Do you think this might kick starting thing, something for Ducati? Um, I think we've been on the verge of winning, to be honest, all year. Since race one, you know, all the way through the year, a couple of races, maybe not. But uh, we've had a really good chance at almost every round this year. So I, I think we've been slowly building. The last few rounds, we're, we're getting better and better. And, uh, you know, the test here has been fantastic for us to, to show the, you know, the, the power of our bike up that hill. But at the same time, it was carrying its speed all the way through those corners, held onto the tyres, did everything which people expect the Ducati not to do. Um, so we're really starting to make it a complete package now. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I hope and think it's going to start threatening the other guys. Talking about the tyres, uh, was it a conscious effort from the team? to actually have two guys on different rear tires today for safety, or was it a rider uh, decision? Personally? It was a rider's decision. I think uh, Yanone actually decided on the grid, but you know, we obviously we left it to the riders to decide what they thought it was the best option for them. So, you know, we cannot give uh, this kind of orders, like, you know, because uh, one could be disadvantaged. So it was definitely a choice between the rider and his crew chief. You haven't got long to celebrate. Bruno is next weekend. I know you had a. Uh, you were optimistic because you tested here. You know what the, the capabilities of the bike were here. Yeah. Have you tested Bruno? No, no, we haven't. We've only done uh, three tests other than the one here, one in Mizano, one in Qatar, one in Sepang, and, and that's it so far this year. So um, all those races are gone. But um, you know, I, I expect good things in other circuits. As we know, some bikes work some places, and other places they don't. Um, but I think you know we're really starting to, to round this package off, where it's starting to be competitive. You know, every weekend where we turn up. Um, at least one of the Andreas is, you know, happy with the, the feeling and the setup and, and pushing those guys at the front. So hopefully we can see a little bit more of that. Um, use the speed advantage that we've got, 
and then hold it through the turns and um, you know we've got ourselves a fantastic package. Well, well I'm we, sure it helps with the test rider able to yeah, prove he's not that bad, he's capable is he? of winning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's not forget third fastest of course all the, the, the other riders during the tests. Um, you know we'd still love to see you back here but that, more of that later on. Um, you know, we didn't know which Andre was going to win the race today. Uh, we thought it was advantage Davi at one stage. Let's just have a little back. What, what, look back. What, what were your thoughts during the race here? Do you think it was Davi's to win? Honestly, at a certain point, I thought uh, maybe his tire choice would be, you know, helping to pull a little bit of a gap. But uh, eventually, you know, Yanone with his uh, softer option in the rear was very strong. He came, came back past, past Davi and... Uh, you know, I think he just uh, deserved to win the race. I, I noticed um, on Friday and Saturday um, that the lap times were, were 20, high 23s, uh, low 24s quite comfortably. But I noticed in the race it was 25s for, for half the race. Was there a restriction on the fuel uh, for, to, to, to finish the race at all for the race? No, honestly, I think the riders were just being smart with the tyres. Um, you saw Inone leading early on in the race and he really was sort of almost backing everyone up. Uh, something similar to what he did in Qatar, you know, he just sort of wanted to feel his way into the race. Um, Dovi got to the point where he was like, okay, the, the bike, everything's feeling good now, so let's, let's try and stretch these guys out a little bit. But um, it was all just tyre management. Uh, Feel-wise, we um, raised concerns, I think, on Friday, solved them on Saturday, so there, there weren't really any concerns for the race. Well, guys, congratulations. We look forward to see what you can do in Bruno. <laughs> Onwards and upwards, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Take care Thank of you. yourselves. Yeah, congratulations. And enjoy your celebrations. Thank you. Casey, Thank good you. to see you again. Uh, right, let's hear from the race winner, Andrea Iannone. Andrea. Finally, you're a MotoGP winner. It's finally happened. After all the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations, what does it feel like to stand on the top step of the podium in the Premier class? It's a very beautiful moment for us. It's the first victory after a MotoGP class, after a very difficult first year in this class. But I never give up for this year. And step by step, improve, improve, improve with my bike. And uh, so when you keep this result, you arrive first on the MotoGP class uh, at, uh, with a normal race. Uh, so it's a very, I think, unique, uh, unique um, feeling, no? And uh, I'm very happy because Ducati not won uh, from uh, many years. And after KZI come back uh, with this bike at the victory, uh, this is a very special moment. Also, the race uh, was very, very difficult because I started with the soft tire and... Uh, so what, what made you make that decision? Because Davi said he was worried about fuel if, if that, in that case. So you and your crew, what made you decide to go with the softer tyre? Yeah, as I come with the soft tyre, I decide uh, from yesterday, but uh, not, uh, not talk with, uh, with, uh, with the people. And uh, also during the conference, uh, I talk, I don't know, maybe the, the, the hard one is very good, but because it's very similar. And, uh, but I have a little bit more feeling with the soft one, and I think uh, my strategy, and uh, I want to uh, start uh, on the first position after the first corner, this is perfect, because I want to manage uh, the, the pace of the race, because uh, if I pass in front, push very strong, and I not possible manage the tires. And uh, I control for uh, eight, nine lap in the front, uh, not push very hard and uh, step by step uh, improve, improve, improve. Use uh, less uh, fuel because uh, so it's a problem for this race. I not use uh, the all, all power uh, for the first 15 lap, and this is a very strong strategy because the last five lap of the bike uh, was very very fast and. Uh, I think uh, it's a very great job from my team, for Ducati, for all people, and I'm very happy. 
Yeah, he's admitting to hoodwinking us all a wee bit because as you came off the grid, yourself and Gav thought they were both on softs. We all did, but just one of them. Good strategy in the end. Very good strategy. The best bit about that is that he said, oh, I'd made my mind up yesterday, but I, I speak nobody, basically. And in that situation, this sounds quite harsh, but you would lie. You'd say, oh, I think I'm going to go with the hard. I'm, it's, it's that close, but in your head you think, I'm absolutely going with the soft. I know James used to do that to me all the time when we were teammates. <laughs> he was a nightmare. No, but that's what goes on behind the scenes. You know, if you know, obviously, your main rival is your teammate there, so you're, gonna, you're not going to give him all your information. It's interesting, the state of the tyre after the race. I thought it would be in ribbons. It didn't look so bad. It held up pretty well, didn't it? But, and that was, you know, coincident uh, with, with the actual result itself. Once half-race distance came, Davizioso actually looked like he got the edge with that harder one, didn't he? And then towards the, from the mid-race to the end, it looked like with a higher temperature, with that softer compound, like we said earlier, it, was, it just came into its own, never went down, always stayed, remained the same. And sometimes that happens, doesn't it, in the hotter temperatures? The soft it can yeah. to protect it almost for no apparent reason though. Sometimes you think because it's hotter, it's going to go down. It's going to go off a cliff edge, they say. But yeah, it just sometimes happen. they have done a lot of laps around here. Obviously, they tested here when it was quite warm. So could, could it be something to do with a lighter, actual lighter tire might with be, not yeah. as much friction going through it? That might have helped the actual forces and the temperature uh, uh, temperature of, of the rear tire. Well, that was the reason for making them at that construction a little bit lighter, wasn't yeah. it? Just to take a bit of that friction off. Especially so hey, here. well done, Michelin. It yeah. seems to be working. Um, let's hear from the second place man, Andrea Davizioso. Andre, I'm sure there's a fair bit of frustration today. You know, you went with a harder option. Andre, you know, only went with a softer option. Where did that decision come from for you? Well, everybody's struggling with the consumption of the rear tyre, so nobody want, didn't take a risk apart of Iannone. And uh, disappointed about that because um, I was very happy about my bike. The feeling with the bike, it was amazing. In the braking, I was better than Iannone, so I thought in the fight uh, I can beat him. But uh, at the end, uh, I didn't have the grip as like him on the right, where the tires are different. So disappointed because it was uh, our decision. Uh, but uh, in this moment, it's normal. You're thinking all the negative things, but uh, we have to think uh, all the positive things. Uh, we did the first and second Ducati. is uh, a really important result for Ducati. I'm racing for Ducati. I put all the passion for Ducati in, in, in the race, so I think the race uh, will come in the future and uh, happy for Ducati for the victory. When you allowed Andrea to lead, was that you actually letting him go past so you could have a look at him? Because he was right on your tail and it looked as though you just moved to one side or, or was it a move from him? No, I, I was in, in front for many laps, but I didn't push 100% because everybody have to manage the rear tire. So I did uh, a good pace, but I didn't push 100%. And uh, that's why he tried to overtake me and make the rhythm. He wasn't faster than me, but uh, he did just one lap. But uh, when I tried to push more uh, on the right, I didn't have the same grip. So... Uh, both we, we took uh, too many risks on the front and uh, uh, I couldn't stay with him until at the end. Uh, very disappointed about that, but uh, we're thinking about the second position. Hey, look, and the one thing is, it's a great result for Ducati. We've seen big smiles on the faces of everyone. Just sum up how important, how hard you've all been working at Ducati to get a one-two. Yes, uh, unfortunately I'm not the winner, so in this moment uh, my feeling is different, but uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, work, uh, a lot of years we struggle and when you're racing in MotoGP and you are on the back, it's really bad, it's really heavy, the pressure. Uh, but now we are closer and closer and arrive the victory. So really proud about the work we did and really thank you to, the, to Ducati. Thanks for your honesty as well, Andrea. Well done today.
I actually feel very sorry for him because he knows he has to celebrate what is a really big deal for Ducati, but the guy wants to win races. He wants that win. It didn't happen for him today. The question is, though, why did they win today? Did the track suit them, or is that bike just getting better and better? Discuss. Well, the bike is getting better. You know, straight from Qatar, it could have won in Qatar, and in only crashed, and Dovi finished second. Could have won at the second round. It was close, close to winning. There's been three or four rounds where it's been, the bike is really strong. Now, I think finally now we've seen Andrea Rianoni get his first win. It's that, it's that log jam. It's, we talk about, I talk about it a lot when I'm commentating, and James, I'm sure you'll agree with the, the psychology side of racing. That stress, that, you know, am I going to, you know, am I going to get my first win? Once you've got it, once he believes he can win, the next track we're going to, for example, is Bruno, which is a horsepower track. That bike's got power, but it turns now in the, in, in the, in the difficult parts of the track. Well, we, we say it turns, but the one disadvantage that Ducati's always had is going around corners. And I think it has helped here by having half the corners of most tracks. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it's only got seven corners and some very that's long it. straights. And that's no, it. That, that's it, fair it is fact. ideal. In their defence, I thought they looked very smooth around those corners, but <laughs> hey, what do I know? There's only seven of them. It does help. <laughs> it does help. But, but Bruno is fast and yeah. with flowing corners as well. So like Neil says, if, if it is an improvement of the bike, it should definitely work at Bruno. But there were other goals for riders out there. For Jorge Lorenzo, he just wanted to gain some, some points on Marc Marquez. He did that. He finished third. He gained five on this fellow Spaniard. This is what he had to say. Jorge, I'm really pleased to see you back up here on the podium because it's been a tough last couple of races and you just got about your business. What happened over the summer break? What did you have to do? We knew Ducati was going to be strong and the battle for the championship is probably the more important thing as far as you're concerned. So to finish ahead of Valentino, finish ahead of Mark, what have you had to change in terms of your mindset before this race? Well, obviously when you have won 40 races or 50 races like, like, like me, uh, finishing third place is not the same as a victory. But we can, we can uh, feel this, this third place almost like a victory because uh, Ducati were almost in another world during the test, during all the weekend, during the qualifying and also in the second part of the race. So finally finishing third, just two seconds from, from the winner, it's, uh, it's a great, great result and uh, we are very satisfied no? with, with the work uh, on the bike and the concentration I could keep all the race, even with the, with the rear tire moving a lot in the, in the last part of the race. I am very happy and, uh, you know, keep, keep working. We, um, we recover some points with Mark, this is important for the championship, and everything can happen like we saw yesterday. Mark crash and almost get uh, seriously injured. In this championship, everything can happen, so you need to be focused, have also luck, and uh, wait, uh, wait to see. I want to have a look at this championship table, lads, because for Jorge Lorenzo, it was all about starting to track down Marc Marquez on the turn of the season. He did that, not by a huge amount, but Marquez didn't get away. It's down to, your maths is good, JT, what, 43, 43 points? 43 points, yeah, from 48. Okay, so we can still catch him, okay? It's not over with eight rounds to go. And last year, we saw the last eight rounds were shared out, really, when it comes to the top step. But actually, Lorenzo... You know, he was pretty good. He scored a lot of points there. You know, that's when he did his... He was most consistent, perhaps, in the latter half of the season. Yeah, after, you know, missing out on the podium for the last three races, you know, Lorenzo's not used to that. You know, you can tell in his voice, you know, I'm, I'm used to winning races, and uh, this is unusual. Even a third is not good enough, usually. But today it was, you know, behind those two Ducatis. Ducatis were the only ones that were able to do 43s, uh, uh, 23s on, on, on race tyres, and um, for him to stay so close was impressive. Uh, there are some tweets about Jorge Lorenzo and his state of mind. I'll ask those in just a moment, but I want to hear from Scott Redding first. This is what he had to say. Scott, top independent today. Good job uh, for eighth place. He said before the weekend top eight was the target, and you've hit that target. How was it out there? It was difficult. We haven't had these temperatures this weekend, and 
In the beginning, I didn't feel comfortable with the bike. I couldn't really stop. Um, I was trying to save a bit of fuel, and I think it was just too much, because in the end, I didn't have to save. Um, so I kind of struggled. That's why I struggled to pass Lavi. He was using more, and I couldn't really get close enough to pass him. Um, so I kind of settled into a rhythm to try and improve lap time. Then the tyres came to me as the fuel went down. I had more feeling with the tyres, then I could sort of make progress. Then Bradley was coming, I thought, okay, we're at a two-second gap, and now it's point eight. Okay, I have to start to do something. Then took a bit more risk, work, but it was so difficult. It was a real greasy feeling, like in Sepang and Barcelona. Um, so I'm really happy to, to be in this position today. Yeah, I'm going to say that as well, because places like Barcelona, where it got hot, your team struggled, didn't it, to find the right setup to use those tyres right to the end of the race. Was it the tyre choice? Um, everyone was with the same, I believe. Most people went with the hard rear and the harder front option. Uh, Mitch and I have more experience now, so that helped us. Uh, also, my riding style is adapting and I'm improving. It takes time, you know. Uh, like the team said with Petrucci, after halfway through the year, he took a step. And I feel like I'm in that range at the moment, trying to make that next step. So I'm happy that I keep improving. And, you know, top eight, I'll settle for that this weekend. And a good vein of form as well after the last couple of races and coming here as well. You're on the roll now, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's going well. Just at the beginning of the race, I had a good start, but then I got boxed in again in turn one up to turn three. Um, so I lost that second group, what I want to hold on to. Um, I would like to, to check the pace out. It's, I don't think I had the pace, but had I been closer, I might have learned some more stuff. So in the end, I'm really happy with this weekend. Scott, great job. Top eight, top independent. Well done. Thank you. This is it. Moto2, our second Grand Prix of Austria. 25 points for a win here. Comes Morbidelli again, looking for the breaking here as they come over the elbows out. Luti sticks his elbow out, but Morbidelli's got it. Morbidelli's going to move Luti and Rins is going to get the run. Rins is going to get the run now for third place. Is he going to be able to outbreak Luti? Yes, he does. He gets under him. Luti's fighting back, but Luti's been pushed out. Zarko is imperious as he takes the Moto3 Championship win here. But it is Morbidelli second, and Rins, through patience alone, gets that position on the podium. And enjoying reliving those moments. The race winner, championship leader, reigning world champion, backflipper extraordinaire, Frenchman Johan Zarco. Congratulations, Johan. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was um, a good race. I had, I've been confident uh, since the start, even it, it, if it was not pretty good, uh, the first corner, I lose position in the exit. But I knew that with you, Steyer, after this really great weekend and the pole position, I, know, I knew the pace was good. So. I stay calm and was, I think, the key to, to win the race. And 10 laps to the end when I overtook um, Franco Morbidelli, I just stay focused on what I know to do and was working enough to, to win the race. So, yeah, just I need to enjoy this moment because it's so good to feel like this. Do you enjoy watching yourself back in action? Yeah, yeah, it's now the, the first picture I can see. So I will analyze maybe better the next week before we start Berno, just to, to enjoy again Monday and Tuesday before switch the mind to Czech Republic. But uh, it's always interesting and also analyze how the opponents are fighting. You learn from them. How do you turn, how do you turn yourself off? How, how, how do you relax? How do you unwind? How do you enjoy yourself? There are like two, two ways to enjoy. And um, there is the start and the fighting with the others at the beginning, even when you overtake. There's a really big adrenaline inside you. And then, the, I mean, not the second part, but the last part of the race, when I'm leading and just doing what I know, 
I can go away. So it's like another strong feeling inside you, not the same adrenaline, but this strong feeling makes good. But how do you go from there to relaxing over the next two days in preparation for Bruno? Is it tough for you? It just physically and mentally, with experience, you can manage better this moment, these uh, three days. So um, no, no, take it easy, take a rest, but then maybe do some training just to prepare the body to work again on the weekend. So every time we hear from you after a race, the same words come up being very calm, timing things well. You seem to be so conscious of every single move you make. We saw that in qualifying yesterday when Franco laid down a very good pole setting time, a marker. You waited, you reacted, you took pole. And again today, you waited nine laps to go and you reacted. You just seem to be so deliberate. You understand so conscious of everything you do. Are you thinking that way on the track? Yes, um, my coach always learned me to understand what I'm doing on the bike because it's the best way to go fast. A fast rider must be clever. So um, I learned since child like this and now like everything is coming inside like automatic. So that's pretty good. But also when you understand what you do on the bike, if you crash, you understand and you are not scared. So that's why it's very important. It's my way to go, but also thanks to the team, I can go in this way. And Johan, what, what, I want to know what's changed over the last four rounds. Because up to that point, you looked good, but you didn't look great. Now you look great. It's, it is like a different rider. You actually look, you, your riding style looks slower, but obviously you're faster. Is that something you, were you trying too hard in the beginning or? Mm, no, I think just to be more times on the bike, you, you feel better and you can push more. So getting victories make you confident to what the team is doing how the bike is going and uh, also myself how i'm riding so now the confidence is coming yeah. step by step and also um, like manage this pressure that when you are world champion you wake up every day thinking you are champion and you must be champion again and you don't think but you have this pressure and now uh, I learned to live with this pressure. That's why I can enjoy much more. What's the bigger motivator? What's the bigger drive to become world champion or to stay world champion? Um, be champion. I will say be champion and win races because just right now, this moment, best feeling I got in the, the victory world. The best and feeling. I enjoyed the victory of today. And you enjoy dressing up a little bit in victory as well. Talk us through the outfit today. Um, Obviously, the backflip, but a, a new addition, the Lederhosen backflip. We haven't seen this before from you, Johan. No, no, uh, I did last year with uh, some shoes in Assen for Poland GP, and now, like, uh, this uh, summer shot, they are, I don't exactly understood which scent it is, but I could see many Australian guys, and really, when I wear it, the people in the, in the tribune were so, so happy, and um, now I just... Uh, a great sign to say, I win there. I'm going to let you go and slip the Lederhosen back on, but just very quickly, we'll look at the championship table. I don't know if you've looked at this yet, to see where you stand in the World Championship with eight rounds left. And it's a pretty healthy lead, 34 points on Alex Rins. Uh, how does that make you feel about the next eight rounds? It's pretty good. I already had a great uh, summer break after the victory in Saxon Ring because Rins uh, didn't score and it was 25 points advantage. Now, again, some more advantage, so just keep pushing like this. The season is long, but all the things happen so fast. So keep focus and want to win to get advantage to championship and get the title. Well, well done today. Have a good couple of days off. Another big weekend in Bruno. We'll see you there in action, of course. You know, Lederhosen are waiting. I'll let you go jump on them. Thank you, guys. <laughs> okay, well done. take care. Well done.
How about Moto3? Well, it was a hugely exciting race. It's the class that throws up so many surprises, and we certainly got that to today. This is what happened. Joe Amir, a rookie in this class at Grand Prix level. Binder has done enough for 20 points, but Joe Amir from pole position has got it done surely now with that lead. They run out wide. Mir is going to win the Moto3 Grand Prix here at the Red Bull Ring. Welcome back. But what a great last lap from Joe Amir. Yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. I love this class. So many surprises. Great to see a rookie do the job. But there you go. Brad Binder still dominates the championship. The lead stretch. Mr. Consistent. Second place in the podium. Another 20 points in the bag. Jorge Navarro did not finish the race. And more controversially, Romano Finati was not allowed to start the race. A disciplinary issue. A bit of a problem with one of his, uh, not his teammates, but one of the crew. We don't, well, we've heard lots of rumors, but we don't want to spread them just yet till we can really qualify what happened. But it wasn't good. And this fella's meant to be staying with that team in Moto2 next year. That's looking shaky at the moment. He has been a very, very naughty boy. Which leads me very nicely into our very own two naughty boys, Keith and Jules. Doesn't feel that naughty from where we're sat today. We've had a moment to calm down, Julian, after that. But what a great opening Austrian Grand Prix. 19 years we waited. Fantastic venue and great racing. Can't argue. This is one of the most enjoyable events of the year so far. Fantastic scenery. A track that everybody, apart from the riders, <laughs> seems to enjoy. And great racing. I think the problem... Some might argue about the, the main MotoGP race being great, but I think from an enthralling spectacle it really was because nobody knew whether we were going to run out of fuel, whether tyres were going to come into it. In the end, they did, of course. And uh, that, from our point of view, it was a technical, yeah, uh, spectacular race. A Ducati 1-2 for the first time in, what, seven years, a brand-new winner in the shape of bad boy Yanone who finally achieves redemption. That can't be boring. Your man of the day? Oh, I've put him under. The, I didn't ask him that earlier on before we it's came on. It's got here. to be Andrea Iannone. There is no alternative. Or are you going to say Joanne Mir? I am going to say Joanne Mir because I could never agree with you. You know that. I know that. I thought you were going to say Zarco. Andrea Iannone. <laughs> no, Zarco's too obvious. Iannone, brilliant day for him. And of course, with Ducati, their first one-two. Can it get any better than that? Iannone does it. The bad boy. Suddenly, the respect comes back to him. <laughs> sorry, just sorry, just fans travel all the way from Scotland. Joanne, congratulations. Your debut season, your first ever victory. That is fantastic. Yes, amazing. Uh, for me, the first victory in my career, first pole also this weekend. What can I say? Uh, unbelievable. We often see young riders coming through and winning Moto3 races with a bit of bumping and a bit of naughty behaviour. But you look so mature and so smooth out there. Yes, uh, normally I'm an aggressive rider, but uh, on my riding, uh, my riding style, normally I'm very smooth, normally. And um, this is you taking the lead. Talk us through this move. What were you thinking? The, this is the, the, here I win the race in, in this point because uh, Binder breaks so hard there and uh, go wide with, with, with Bastianini and then the T3 and T4 I say, uh, well, this, this one I'm not doing, I'm Valentino Rossi. I want to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> in the rookies race last night, the leader of the rookies race actually ran wide on turn 10 and actually was knocked back a place, so he ended up not getting the victory. I'm wondering, was that information passed on to you? Because it obviously it had been uh, taken in a little bit, the track there. Were yes. you aware of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So dangerous, yeah. Dangerous, yes, very dangerous. Uh, I see uh, br breaking hard and then here you, you cannot enter into the corner. So 
uh, he go wide with Bastianini, and I say, now, now is my is, is my turn. Bam, 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 and then victory. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a guy who just loves riding motorbikes. It's lovely to see. Yes, uh, I'm a normal guy. Uh, today I win a race, but uh, uh, before I, I didn't win a race here, never. So I'm now I'm a, a guy who win a uh, Grand Prix. And you're a man who's going to be celebrated back in Palma, Mallorca, when you get home. Are you looking forward to that? Yes. Well, uh, now uh, I, I don't know if I go directly to Breno. This is the, the, the Pitino. But uh, yes, in Mallorca, I think that my family will be crazy. Crazy. Congratulations. Really nice Thank to you. talk to you. And well Thank done. You. Congratulations. Well done. Here's Carl Crutcher. Let's get his thoughts after the MotoGP race. Well, Carl, you knew it was going to be a difficult race, but made all that much harder with that ever so slight jump start. Tell us about it. Um, Neil, I got a point. It's many more points than I've had in other races this year. Um, yeah, obviously really disappointed. Sorry to my team. I made a mistake. Um, it's as simple as that. I let the clutch out too early. I thought the penalty was very harsh, um, but I suppose with the other people jump starting, and then maybe they jump started more than me. And if I didn't get the penalty, then there'd be some complaints. So um, I stopped and lost, I don't know where I was, 17th. So I lost 10 places. Um, but hey, you know, at the end of the day, I, I tried my best. I got back on the track and I was one of the fastest guys. Leader was doing 25-1 and we were doing 25-4. So I brought the bike home. I cruised around, played with some switches for the, for the race and just made sure we finished. Um, yeah, sorry to my team. It's been a... A great summer break for me and a long one for the team and a good one for the team also. So to come back and have an average result because, you know, I think we've got a lot of positives from today. We're not going to win the championship. So having one point or 10, you know, I don't know where we would have finished. I think we would have finished just behind Mark, maybe in that gap between Mark and, uh, and Danny. I think we could have beat Danny today, uh, but we didn't. And that's it. You know, we... Uh, we have to go to Bruno with, with good positive vibes because uh, I feel quite good on the bike. I feel I'm in good shape in the moment. Um, and yeah, we have to just take the positives away from it. He's very pragmatic, isn't he? Simple as that. Yeah, that's Cal, isn't it? You know, uh, it has been a tough weekend for him, but he knew it was going to be. And uh, I mean, obviously, when you do a jump start, it's not ideal. But uh, he wasn't lying there. His lap times in the midpoint of the race was only 0.2 or 0.3 off the quickest. So uh, he can take some, some confidence towards Bruno after that. How about Scott and Bradley today? Oh, Bradley rode an amazing race. The tech throughout uh, to, to our Yamahas were off the pace massively, weren't they? So mm. to get a top 10 result there was a real result for Bradley. I think Carl's also got a point there. You know, with these jump starts, if you don't make, have an advantage, like if when you went off the track, if you didn't have an advantage, you don't get penalised. Mm. I don't think you should have been penalised for a jump start, but losing 10 places Fair myself. Point. But I you totally know. agree. Hey, we, got, we got a very small glimpse of uh, Bradley's KTM. MotoGP bike for next season. They did a lap with it. Did you get, did you get a look at it? Yeah, I, I had a right good look at it. Wow, that's a piece of kit. I mean, they, they tested it a couple of weeks ago and they were fast. But just looking at it, not that I'm shocked that KTM have produced a good bike, but it's a little minter, isn't it? Yeah, the RC16, they're calling it, the KTM. And, um, you know, Hoffman, uh, Alex Hoffman, the ex MotoGP rider, uh, and Calio, uh, Mika Calio, the Moto2 champion, actually, have been test riding it. I think they've been within two seconds of the top boys, which is an amazing result for a brand new bike. So I'm looking forward to seeing it next year. Let's talk about Sam today. So disappointing for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was so frustrating because he's struggled all weekend, but Sam's his default setting is to push to the absolute limit. And his mistake, he said to me afterwards, I was trying too hard in the places I was already good. So we've all made that mistake. Yeah, but overall, though, the track, we're giving it a major thumbs up. We like it here? 
It's oh. been a success. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the facilities are, are second to none. I think the track is not the most interesting because it's just long straights and, and, and corners. So the fastbacks are always going to do well, aren't they? Um, but, you know, I think Ducati will always look forward to coming back here. But it was dramatic, it was exciting, and the best thing is you only have to wait a few days for it all to come your way again on BT Sport. We're off to Bruno. Friday, practice, free practice from the Czech Republic. And then on Saturday, it is qualifying day, and then on Sunday, race day from half past nine. BT Sport 2 HD, live and exclusive, three races across the three classes, and what a brilliant time for our sport. It was just absolutely fantastic, isn't it, boys? Yeah, and Brunel's one of my favourite circuits. It's, it's a special old place, so can't wait Ab to get there. Ab everybody's favourite, fast flowing, up and downhill, in the hillsides, very similar to this, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely wonderful setting here, but a wonderful moment for Ducati. Andrea Iannone may have won the race, but no doubt about it, the weekend belongs to the Italians. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>